Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I am Subi alongside me, Taylor Dammel. We're brought to you by Belly Up Media. Go download, subscribe, rate, and review us on whichever device you use. Your college hooper of the day, I'm going old school here, and you guys probably know him from NBA coaching sidelines, but I'm going Brett Brown. I have a method to my madness. I have a reason. Uh, We're going to talk a little Maine basketball. Yes, the state of Maine, because there aren't too many players coming out of Maine uh, doing what this young man is doing here uh, at Peace Jam. We'll talk about him, Cooper Flagg, of course. But Brett Brown is from the great state of Maine. New England's weird, man. You got you got a lot of these states that people are familiar with. And then there's, there's little old Maine where, uh, you know, some people might vacation in a gunquit, uh, Kenny Bunk, all that stuff. But then there's like Woods, Maine. There's Woods people. Uh, so Maine is a very fascinating state, but Brett Brown, he is your college trooper of the day. He played at BU under Rick Patino. Brett Brown also has an outrageous, uh, what sounds like most people would say Boston accent, but obviously he's from Maine, New England accent, outrageous accent. You should listen to him talk, but Brett Brown, he is your college trooper of the day. Check out the website at theater and college hoops.com and make sure to follow me at CBB theater to find out where the feet is. You should also follow Taylor at Taylor. Let's open the curtains. check-in with the theater goers before I go back on vacation. Obviously, last week we were on hiatus with it being the fourth, and then this upcoming week I will be out of town having a nice vacation with uh, the, uh, the the wife's family. Taylor, how are you, though? How's How was your fourth? How's everything going this past weekend? You celebrated your wife's baby shower. How was that? You got a lot going on. So, you know, on July 4th, uh, your birthday, I celebrated by showing six houses uh, in West Phoenix. So, because I'm like a 32-year-old Dame Lillard. I don't don't run from the grind. 34-year-old Dame Lillard might be running from the grind, but a 32-year-old Dame Lillard was not running from the grind. Although, running from the grind might be very beneficial for my life uh, in, in relation to Dame Lillard and his potential pilgrimage to the heat there in Miami. But no, it was great, man. Um, Tuesday, we've, we've talked about this many times on this program over the years. Not the best day for a holiday. It's kind just the worst of, day of the entire week, period. Kind of made the week totally worthless. Both, both from a business and from a, like a fun standpoint, I feel like that's the worst. So, I don't know. It was, it was July Fourth week was fine, I guess. Um, Can I ask this real quick? Six, who is going to see a house on the fourth? I understand, like usually when Rat Race Corporate America is off, you're on, but the fourth. Yeah, I mean, is well, that a popular day historically speaking? No, but but you know, if it, it's a you have a Tuesday off after a weekend where you already had 
Saturday, Sunday, Monday, assumedly off. And it's like, okay, we've already, like we already went camping and we already shot fireworks off. We already had the barbecue. Like nobody's having the party on a four day weekend at 3 PM on the fourth day of the four day weekend. Right. Like, I see what you're saying. Right. Like it's going to be at least be on like a Monday or like that Sunday was ideal too, where it's like, yeah, ease into the weekend, Saturday, do whatever Sunday, July 4th, barbecue Monday. Some people had off. I, I still knew people that had, Monday that they had to work, which also sucks. Like that's just the worst. Come back after the weekend, go back to work on Monday, come back or, you know, take July 4th off. And then some people have the fifth off. Yeah, whatever. It's just a messed up week. So yeah, no, I mean, I had multiple clients that said, Hey, if you're willing to look at houses on the fourth, that's one of the days we're available. And I can't, you know, no is not a very good answer as a realtor uh, to when your clients say, hey, I want to go buy a house. No usually doesn't make a lot of money. So, yeah, I had to get out there and, and, and make it happen. So it doesn't uh, it doesn't make money. But the forefathers never said anything about celebrating the fourth uh, by by showing houses. What they did say <laughs> was celebrating with pomp and circumstance. And that's why I hate that the fifth isn't automatically off. Look, I take it off. Yeah, who's like, no, like Damian Lillard's actually effective when he said like on the court. I'm trying to think of someone who's like I'm not running from the grind and then just half-assed it. Who's who's an example of that? Probably Carmelo. Probably someone like Melo. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's like no no no. I I'm sticking with the Knicks because out of loyalty. And it's like definitely not because they can offer me you? super max. Yeah right exactly. Hey, but I always said I respected Melo. He dude never came out and said I am only here to win a championship dude pretty much came out and said i'm only here to get the biggest bag imaginable and i'm a support i'm a supporter of that decision huge supporter this is exactly like you mean dupree when he's going through interviews he's like if you're looking for a clydesdale i'm not your man well and i hate to say this as someone who's uh you know second in line on a sports-based podcast and you know like is supposed to care about like championships and things like that I get that the fans like to debate about championships, all that type of stuff. Like who's, but if I'm an athlete though, just pay me the most money possible because in a hundred years, when my great, great grandchildren are on the fucking Amalfi coast, like just balling out, they're not going to give a shit if I won five championships or zero, like just make the most money. You have like a 10 to 15 year window to make the most money. Right. And so it's like, would you rather have Carmelo Anthony's career or Robert Ori's career? Probably Carmelo Anthony's considering he made 100 times more money than Robert Ori does. Oh, seven championships. Yeah, that's great. All oh, teammates, whatever. Bullshit. Okay. That's wonderful. That debate can be had when you're talking about between, oh, I made 225 million versus 250. Yeah. Maybe I'd give up 25 million for some championships. When you're talking about the difference between like 500 million and 20 and you're like, yeah, man, I wouldn't trade anything for those seven championships. That's bullshit. That's not, that's you're, you're off your rocker. If you think that you're trading $400 million for championships. And I think, I also think Taylor that comes with maturity, maybe 16, 15 year old Taylor and Subi were like, no, 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 no legacy. You need to win these rings. Robert Ory's a winner. And then you slowly, but surely grow up and mature and understand that having that cushy bank account is far nicer. I understand the, the, the point you're making in your example, but also it helps in Carmelo's favor that I think most folks around the league and those that watch the NBA can clearly say that Carmelo is a far better player than Robert Ory. Robert Ory was clutch as hell, but in terms of even like talent and who had a more impactful career, it's still Melo. Robert Ory is always is the one that seemingly gets brought up because of his seven championships, though, in these situations. But yeah, now that we have uh, bills to pay and kids on the way, as an example, let me segue into the baby shower real quick. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, you, uh, you you care about the, that uh, that bag a little more. But no. So baby shower was great. It was 115 degrees outside, which was perfect. <sighs> For a baby shower, uh, um, you know. If only someone, maybe like a 33-year-old expecting husband from Alaska would have suggested maybe having it somewhere other than a backyard. If only someone had suggested that a few months ago. I don't know. I wish someone would have come in and and said that to his adoring adoring wife. Hang on. So was was it the issue of the backyard or just the fact that you're in central Arizona? 
Well, yeah. I mean, I had the check written to host this at an at an inside location, and I said, Danielle, you just need to go bring it to them <laughs> if this is what you want to do. Like, I'm I'm in. And so, of course, because we Danielle wanted to save two hundred and fifty bucks, we spent about seven hundred fifty more dollars uh, on mm. prepping and three days of time on prepping the backyard for the hundred and fifteen degree day. So. Yeah, it was great. A lot of fun. No, but then everybody, it was also wonderful because then everybody got to make fun of me for um, being exactly like my dad, which is true. Also a realtor, also tall and very lean. Um, same mannerisms, same talking points. So it was great. We not only did all of uh, our our relatives and stuff around here get to hang out at 115 degrees, they also got to make fun of me for watching my dad and I speak about real estate next to each other for uh, a few hours. So, Riveting yeah. combo. <laughs> oh man, just talk about the dog days of summer, man. Like listen to Ed and Taylor talk about 1031 tax exchanges by the pool. Nothing is more exciting than that. So I mean, you had to have, ha- you gotta, you gotta give me a little more, give the listeners a little more exciting times than what I just gave you though, please. What about uh, your last week here? Yeah, the fourth was great. So we went on a cycle boat tour not tour i mean just drinking on one of those cycle boats on the chicago river it was wonderful uh, we had a very eccentric boat captain who just kept shitting on canada the entire time obviously is the like i understand it's the fourth but we actually have some friends who are legitimately canadian and and we had about 12 people there right and so our good friends that are canadian were not in attendance but i found myself taking inventory i was like are they here like they could legitimately take offense to this because this boat captain was just going in on Canada for some reason. Um, and so, but it was great. You know, it was a beautiful day. Chicago river was great. And then we went over to a friend's house, had some barbecue, shoveled down brats, burgers, seltzers. It was wonderful. It's just a perfect 4th of July. Uh, and now peeked my head into work for a little bit and I'm going to be off starting Thursday for a week. Uh, that's the summer for you, man. I can't wait. So that's all I had on my NT. Hey, I like that. I like that. I'm excited that you're taking a week off. You know, July is just such a, I don't want to say worthless month, but who gets any business done in July? Yeah, it's not a lot of folks because once August comes, you're like, oh, damn, summer might already be over. You got to prep the fall. Well, and think of where I'm from summer was over in August, you know, like, so we only had like June and July to really like party in however, however you want to phrase party, like whether that be fishing, hiking, hunting, drinking, whatever, like we only had essentially like 60 to 90 days to knock out everything that you could do outside. And so, yeah, nobody got anything done growing up in July. And I guess I am following suit here as an adult too. Yeah. Well, usually there is uh, not much to talk about during the college basketball season or for, for college basketball during July, but this hugging stuff, it just will not die. Bob Huggins. The last time we were together, Taylor, we talked about, what we thought was his dismissal or his resignation. And now that may not be the case. This is such a bizarre story. And I, I tease this in the intro intro. I do want to talk about Cooper flag, but I got a feeling I'm going to be talking about Cooper flag. Cause he's 16 years old for the next like five to six years. I don't know how many more times I'm going to be talking about Bob Huggins here, uh, especially as again, I think his career is winding down. But there might be that sliver where uh, he's coming back. Here's the whole issue. Let's let's recap here, Taylor, and give the theater goers uh, a, a synopsis of what's been happening ever since he got that DUI arrest. Okay, so three weeks after West Virginia released a statement attributed attributed to Huggins announcing his resignation and retirement following a DUI arrest, an attorney representing the longtime Mountaineers men's basketball head coach sent a letter to the school claiming he. He, in fact, did not resign and demanding reinstatement. Okay, I'm going to keep going, but I I can't help but laugh at that. In the letter obtained by the West Virginia Metro News, attorney David A. Campbell claims Huggins never signed a formal resignation letter or officially communicated his resignation to any person at West Virginia. 
He claimed that West Virginia responded to the DUI arrest by demanding Huggins' resignation the next day rather than investigate the matter, which came a month after Huggins came under fire for using an anti-gay slur on a radio show. Uh, Huggins reportedly entered a rehab program following the arrest and is now looking to return to the, to the Mountaineers as he nears its completion. Taylor, I know I'm rambling, but like 10 minutes ago, we got a statement from Huggins and it's signed by the way, Robert E. Huggins, West Virginia University head basketball coach. That's how he signed it. He still thinks he's the head basketball coach. Uh, and again, just bear with me, but he says, in part, the press has now seen the letter sent by my counsel setting forth my position that I never resigned from my employment as head co- basketball coach for West Virginia. My attorney will address the legal issues relating to my purported resignation. He says purported like eight times in this statement. Loves purported. Uh, I wanted to respond to WVU statements and set the record straight on the past two weeks. Uh, I think the biggest paragraph here is this. He says, due to my focus on the rehabilitation, I have not been in the media or responding to West Virginia statements regarding the incident. I now understand that WVU published a statement purportedly, there it is, written by me at 10.30 p.m. on June 17th, 2023. The WVU statement provides, quote, today I have submitted a letter to President Gordon Gee and Vice President and Director of Athletics, Ren Baker, informing them of my resignation and intention to retire as head men's basketball coach at West Virginia University of immediately. Here's where Huggins says, I did not draft or review WVU statements. Uh, this false statement was sent under my name, but no signature is included. In addition, the false unsigned statement was accompanied by a joint statement from the president and athletic director that clearly implied that they had received this purported resignation letter from me. Quote, Coach Huggins has informed us of his intent to retire and has submitted his letter of resignation and we have accepted it in light of recent events. We support his decision so that he can focus on health and family. Read the whole statement on your own. I don't want to keep blabbering because we, I don't want to get some of our opinions here. But Taylor, man, it it's basically sounds like this is a teacher who caught a fifth grader uh, forging their parents' signature. I don't know what the hell is happening. What a bizarre story, man. So I've had a similar situation in my line of work here recently, actually, where there was some uh, ambiguity in what we were trying to get. Okay. So we were asking for X and the, you know, the other people involved were, were offering Y. Now, those two statements in one man's opinion, mine meant that they were circumventing one with the other, not adding one on top to the other. Why I say this is we're talking about the, dis- the difference between resignation and retirement. Retirement means that you in theory could come back at any point. Resignation means that you have signed some paperwork that says, yes, I'm no longer a part of this. So I wonder how big of a factor that is here where he's like, no, no, no. I thought I, I said I would maybe retire and not resign, which then means like the contract is potentially still in place. I don't know. This is such a wonderful story. I hate that it's out around, uh, you know, negative stuff, but it's just wonderful fodder in July for us to discuss. It is such a crotchety old man versus crotchety old man situation because, you know, all the people that run West Virginia athletics and the college are crotchety old folks, just like every school in the country. Right. And you got Bob Huggins, who has never Uh, really shied away from giving his opinions about things. And so this is really great. It's really going to be such good entertainment over the next uh, little while. I'm, I guess I don't even really know, like, should I even know what to think about this at this point? I don't like what, what's his, what's his, um, what's the crowd reaction going to be if Bob Huggins walks onto the floor, like for the blue gold or whatever, blue gold game and, in September, October. Like, is he going to be welcomed after this? Is he going to be, uh, is he even going to be back? I don't know. I, I really don't know what to think. If he walks in, get, just give me this too. If he walks in as the head coach for the blue gold game, let's call it, is is it an overwhelming like stand of applause? What is it going to be here? Absolutely. I feel like they'll treat him like Stone Cold Steve Austin. If he does come back, we got to hear like the glass shattering. And look, I don't want to downplay 
how we got to this point, which are inexcusable actions from Bob Cousins, anti-gay slurs, uh, driving while under the influence and endangering lives of others. I understand the severity of that, but at this point, it's kind of hilarious what the hell is happening here. So I think West Virginia Mountaineer fans would treat him like some sort of villain come back. Uh, I don't think West Virginia fans have... uh, you know, a moral compass to boo Bob Huggins. Uh, and and it's, it's always difficult when it comes to legendary alma mater guys, coach. I mean, we're honestly seeing it now with Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern, to be fair, I haven't really read too much into that, so I can't really cast an opinion, but he is a great football coach when it comes to Northwestern. Uh, you know, if you think about all the academic hurdles that they have to go through and the recruiting and also being in that conference, it's the same thing with Chris Collins in the basketball program. But Pat Fitzgerald is now embroiled in a hazing scandal, uh, and he is one of Northwestern's own. But when it comes to Huggins, the first thing that I'm thinking here is, you know, you, you talk about semantics, retirement versus resignation. I also think it is important to see if he's looking for some sort of buyout, contract buyout, because I, I think West Virginia is saying, okay, Huggins came to us saying, I'm done. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm cutting all ties. I know I messed up. And I think, to be honest with you, Taylor, I think he's said as much to his players I think he explicitly said to his players I'm not going to be your head coach I, I look I, I, I'm not a lawyer maybe that's why we need the shark in here but I'm, I'm not a lawyer uh, I understand that that when it comes to these sort of legalese uh, words and it, like that matter but for the untrained eye for a college basketball fan I think everyone pretty much said okay Huggins is done uh, this seems to be coming from a a place of damn it I want my buyout money um, and I think I think it what is interesting though and I think it is important to highlight if West Virginia sort of doctored up a resignation letter or if they if they forged I, they didn't even forge because Huggins said there's no signature uh, if they kind of I don't know, misquoted him or made this up saying Huggins gave this to us. That is scandalous. That is really bad. And everyone in this scenario looks like complete doo-doo right now, Taylor. Oh, I mean, if what Huggins is alleging is true, we've got some serious problems going on here. Like like Bob Huggins coach for life until he doesn't want to even, yeah, like, or an extreme payout, not just like, let's say he was owed $5 million. It's going to be significantly more than that if this is a forged situation or um, what's the way I'm trying to put this? Um, Even if it wasn't forged, just them defaming him, you know, maybe like a defamation type of deal where it's like, I didn't put any of this out, which the weird thing is though, is like if you look at the email that was sent, um, it's from his wife is right. the email account, right? Which is one thing. And then it's strange. The email is strange too, because all the, all the, uh, is it the athletic director? Yeah. That Ren Baker, the athletic director, right? Said in like, after all of this, the only statement he said was, we accept your resignation and wish you the best in retirement. We appreciate your many years of dedication to WVU, period. Like, that was it. There's got to be – there has to be more than that. Like, this is so be. crazy. I, like, I, I, we said this last episode, uh, all the – imagine if you read this headline, that headline. I just think Bob Huggins, this is such an unceremonious and awkward end. I never would have thought this would happen. Uh, John Rossing, friend of the program, uh, said, tweeted as much yesterday. He's like, you know, kind of seems like he's kind of going off the deep end here a little bit. And maybe that's true. I mean, that's just as plausible as anything else in this scenario, but it's kind of like, geez, this guy's not going to be, he's kind of tarnishing his whole legacy in this way out here, you know, over, and I guess I shouldn't necessarily tell people 
what they should do or how much money they should have or anything like that. But I'm like, if this is only, if you're Bob Huggins and this is only for like an additional monetary buyout, well, it's a tough look for your, for your legacy. I mean, how much, you know, going back to the start of this whole program, it's like, okay, so what is X amount of dollars worth to you? Right. If the buyout's $3 million, is it worth you looking like a complete asshole and being remembered as that for the rest of your life and so on and your family too? I don't know. That's, I'm not sure. Again, this is just speculation, but that's, it's a tough way to go out. If that's, if that's all he's looking for in this situation. I think it is crazy how quickly legacies can change, at least in the interim. Okay. So right now, nobody cares and nobody, nobody remembers how. No, hold on. I'm interrupting you real quick. Go, go for it. Pat Fitzgerald just got fired. Whoa. Holy so that's just because just we just talked about it. Like that's just what got, that's just what happened. So I thought it was on fucking mute. Yeah. Sorry. That's my bad. It just no. popped across the screen here. So that's uh, an additional on top of what we're already talking about, what you're allowed to do or not allowed to do or whatever, where, wherever God. the facts lie that, that, yeah. So that's another, he got fired. So how much is he getting paid out versus uh, Huggins who, Resigned slash retired, or maybe not. Yeah, this is great. This is such this is such good entertainment for the summer. This is insane to be happening here in July. Yeah, no doubt. So I, I apologize for interrupting you and where you're. No, going no, no. Statement, don't, but- don't apologize. I mean, what does this mean for Chris Collins? Chris Collins. Look, obviously, Chris <laughs> Collins probably isn't thrilled about this. Like he, but deep down, he's probably just like, I just had my best season in at, at Northwestern. We were nasty attention's yeah. on us now yeah. <laughs> and Northwestern yeah. football was terrible last year well yeah I mean like but, every year oh other, man other a couple yeah. I was gonna edit that out too no I, we need that we need that live reaction alive and in color so just hey real quick I also want to say the last basically to your point about Huggins doubling tripling down um he said, more importantly, the basketball program is in need. That is for sure a fact. I think both parties can agree on that. Uh, and I have a strong desire to conclude my career as the head basketball coach for the program that I love. I hope to meet with WVU in the near future to resolve this situation. Dog, I don't see it happening, Bob. I like. Is there a world, Taylor, where Bob Huggins does meet with WVU officials and then he is again the head coach and it's like sorry coach Eiler back to the bench for you it's like succession Kirk Kreese is going to have to put another post up about <laughs> who's head coach is, which is going to be even better Kirk um, Kreese has entered the portal and I look I, I got no issues with people players making their own decisions sorry Taylor but Kirk Kreese has entered the portal twice and withdrawn from the portal twice and he's also transferred this, you know, this is always a be careful what you wish for type of situation. You know, it's like you always think the grass is greener elsewhere. Who knows? Maybe he got forced out. I don't, you know, just, just as likely as anything else. My best, let me go off on a tangent for one second here, but it is basketball related. My number one, the grass isn't always greener um, example is always Jerry Sloan in, in Utah because I got to hear this because the Utah jazz at one point, along with the St. Louis blues were the two longest uh, postseason streaks that we had in professional sports. We're talking about 25 plus years, 20, 20 years, at least of, of going to the postseason every single year, but the jazz kind of unceremoniously fired Jerry Sloan um, or however you want to phrase it, um, you know, forced to resign. I, I think he actually got fired, but you know, however, and then they have sucked pretty much ever since, uh, 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 you know, aside from a, a handful, a couple of years here and there, Jerry Sloan was fired 15 plus years ago now, 15 years ago. And that's always my, my uh, line of demarcation where it's like, oh yeah, you guys were just, you hated going to the conference finals and semifinals every year. That's great. I understand that you want to get to the top, but if you fire these type of people, that doesn't mean you're going to go up. Everyone has this like grand illusion that if they fire their head coach, things only get better from there. Well, that's not true. 
probably 90% of the time it gets worse from there. You know, it doesn't get better. Um, anyway, that, that's my, that's my whole no, no, implication for that. The only thing I would say to that is, and that, because I think we're reasonable fans, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I acknowledge that, but I'm over here saying like, it's the same thing with Sean Miller. He couldn't get to the final four and it's like, well, who's going to be better? I don't know, man, but I'd rather like, for me, I'm almost like, enough of the dangling the carrot in my face if we get there awesome if not i don't know losing to princeton in round one yeah, is now, just now as, we just lose in the first round yeah, every like, but it's like oh, yeah that's what happens whatever uh but anyway yeah so i mean th- this huggins thing is wild to me and i i feel for the players i truly feel for the players and i feel for eilert because you know they just want to move on from this they're looking for some closure the season it's look it's not as close as it is for northwestern who is probably in a complete state of shock now uh with the football program but the season's coming man like camps are coming uh Teams in the Big 12, they're getting more cohesive. And you're going to see there's a lot of prep that goes into this. And West Virginia is going to be so far behind the curve that I, I'm predicting now. Like We talked about the outlook for West Virginia. And I think, Taylor, you had said, again, prior to all this information coming out today, you had said, I wouldn't be surprised if they do all right next year. And then they have some really bad years moving forward. I think they might be catastrophically bad next year. Yeah, this is I'm going to walk that back. I'm walking that back already. This is an off-season from hell, dude. Well, and you bring up a great point. So today, as we're recording this, it's July 10th, as it's obviously being um, disseminated. Uh, it's going to be July 11th. Campus On-campus classes start at West Virginia on August 17th. Like, we're way far gone in terms of, like, team building uh figuring out who's going to be here who's not going to be here all that type of stuff like like it can only get worse from here it's not going to get better for west virginia from here you know people can find roles to fill on other teams if they do want to do this like late transfer situations you know that colleges always figure out how to get this guy takes us took us like four months to get an answer about our college admissions right someone wants to transfer from from Texas to West Virginia, somehow it only takes like four hours for them to get accepted, uh, you know, in the transfer portal. So it's way easier to get, uh, way easier to leave a place than it is to get into some place, especially like West Virginia. So what I'm saying is like, they might have more people bail out and there's not, nobody's going to refill. Nobody of any magnitude, uh, you know, high major D one is going to refill those positions. It's going to be like borderline, low major D1, high major D2 players who someone's finally like, oh yeah, that guy from Eastern Washington was pretty good. Maybe we should reach out to him real quick because we have like seven more hours until school starts. That Yeah, I, I, I think I could see this. I mean, we'll see how it plays out this week. We'll have a lot more info by the time we do this podcast again in, you know, 10, 12, 13 days, however long it may be, we could see the entire face of the West Virginia <laughs> basketball uh, program change by the time we do another podcast. And it's not going to be for the better. 100% it's going to be for the worse. In no way, shape, or form is, is it going to get better for West Virginia basketball this year. I remember when the Chris Beard news broke. Uh, I was I was watching Doster and Goodman on the field of 68, and I think Doster brought up a really good point. And again, we're focused on the two main parties, which is West Virginia, like the officials, uh, and Bob Huggins. I think we understand that those are the two biggest players here. But there's so much influx for players, for coaching staff, like assistant coaches, and it sucks for them. I can only imagine what Eiler is thinking right now and what his potential staff is thinking or what Huggins' former staff, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know the ins and outs of the staff, but that's insane. And then we talk about Kirk Carissa and we talked about the players, but one specifically who honestly my heart goes out to, this sucks, Jose Perez. He's, he was on Manhattan last year when they unexpectedly fired uh, Steve Masiello and he had to transfer. I think this is like his fifth team, which is a lot. And people are going to crack jokes. People are going to uh, say, oh, he's, he's traveling everywhere. This is what's wrong with the NCAA. Wrong. I would say this is what's right about the uh, updated transfer rules about the NCAA because you'd be hard-pressed to find someone with worse luck in terms of coaching turnover 
than Jose Perez with the Massiello stuff and now Bob Huggins as well. I mean, this kid, I feel terrible for him. He just wants to play. And he's the one that's saying to, to, to these coaches and these programs, like, I'm ready and I'm available for you. Can you hold up your end of the bargain, please, for the love of God? And I feel for the kid. No, totally. I, I, I agree. You know, that um, not necessarily about him, but just as a general statement here, at least with the Bob Huggins, like firing or resignation or whatever we have going on. What here, are we like, going to call it? I don't know. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Uh, new life. Next chapter. Let's call it. Um, there's at least like sufficient evidence for what's happening. The Pat Fitzgerald thing is a little difficult. I'm not trying to bring foot, mm. this football discussion in too hard, but like the legitimate, I'm not making these words up. These is, this is not even my opinion. The people who looked into it said there wasn't sufficient evidence to, to for shit to happen here. And so I always think it's interesting, and this isn't supposed to be some kind of like, I don't know, a stand on my soapbox, whatever. But I always think it's interesting when coaches get fired for the alleged incidents that happen with other coaches within the program. So like the Pat Fitzgerald thing is about uh, like the offensive line coach or strength coach, some things that he said. And the, the report came out and said there was no evidence that, said that Pat Fitzgerald knew about anything. And I always think that's a little kind of strange, I guess, to, fi- to fire someone over something that has been from an internal est- internal investigation it said he was not at fault, but you still fire the guy for that. You know, like the Pat or the, the hugging stuff is like, okay, dude, you literally went on public air and said some bad stuff. And then you got a DUI like three weeks later, Pat Fitzgerald stuff. It's like, okay, so allegedly one coach said this, like we, and I'm not, I'm not trying to defend whatever that coach said or did. We see this happen in basketball all the time. You brought up Sean Miller, Sean Miller, arguably, not the same situation, but there is an argument to say that, you know, whatever, he wasn't the person involved in all of this. And so I always wonder what, like, are there any limitations to people getting fired in college sports? Like you're talking about three people across 50, 20 years alleging that an offensive line coach did some things that was said some things that were inappropriate like eight years ago or some shit like that it's like that seems like a very very thin line to draw on who's getting i'm not trying to defend anybody or anything i just think that the facts that we currently have in front of us with the pat fitzgerald deal makes it a little hard to be like jesus christ how like what is my job security like if any single person from top to bottom that is involved in this program does something bad i'm fired that's a tough that's a tough, and maybe I'm not asking you anything, but I, I guess it's just a tough like position to be in where if anybody fucks up, I'm fired. I can appreciate that. Um, I think the, the, th- the thing that we need to say the quiet part out loud and everyone's thinking it is it's because it's Northwestern and it's Northwestern football and Pat Fitzgerald, like I, we said, he's a great, he's a great coach, alma mater, all of that. But Northwestern officials are probably just saying to themselves, and again, I wouldn't be surprised if Pat Fitzgerald lawyers up and there's some sort of response from him and his party. But Northwestern, I can guarantee you, like, this is not Greg Byrne at Alabama. This is not whomever's running things at LSU or Clemson uh, or, you know, if we want to take it to college basketball, UNC, Duke, Kansas, right? This is not UConn basketball. This is Northwestern football. Uh, Northwestern is an academic institution. And they're going to say, first of all, we sucked last year. We're typically not a very good athletic program. Fine. But they're, they're not trying to to build up an athletic program at, if, while risking their reputation or basically compromising. And, you know, folks will say they should be doing that across the board, even at the Bamas, the Clemsons, the Dukes, the Carolinas. And I agree with that, but that's not the reality of the situation. Okay. That is not the reality of the situation. And so for Pat Fitzgerald, I can already tell you the administration's like Northwestern football is not bigger. It's nowhere near big enough for us to have a tough decision to make. I feel like they got the information. They're like, thanks man. We're moving on. Now, again, I wouldn't be surprised if Pat Fitzgerald uh, and his camp response. 
Oh, and I, I said that previous statement, having not even thoroughly read the statement from the university. And so you got to think that the university has had their lawyers look at this. But the statement that the university put out literally says verbatim, it's crucial to note that our head coach, Pat Fitzgerald, was not involved in any of the alleged incidents in any way, shape or form. Coach Fitzgerald had no knowledge of these allegations until they were brought to his attention during this investigation. Well, so what the fuck are you firing for then? Yeah, that's tough. If they acknowledge, I don't know. Maybe again, this is like legal legal jar- jargon. I have no idea. I have no idea. That's a statement from the university. Like you, ha- you would think that at a school like Northwestern, you wouldn't even put that. Like you don't have. That's a perfect example of a statement that didn't have to be made. You could just say, like West Virginia did. Hey Huggins, appreciate you. See you later. Now you know that Fitzgerald's lawyers are going to be like. So, yeah. Why, what am I supposed to be doing here? <laughs> like, like, so you're just going to fire me even though I did nothing wrong? So this was definitely a way that Northwestern was just trying to get out of his deal, I guess. I mean, because right. it's not like Northwestern is going to find, like, it's not like they're hiring Nick Saban out of this, you know. Very interesting. I don't mean to make this too far into a football conversation, but, I mean, we oh, have this good. conversation. But we have this conversation about this happens with college basketball coaches, too. It's not it's, – it's a college sports thing as general sense. But I think it's funny that the school would literally come out and say, no, it wasn't as – you literally had nothing to do with this, but we're going to fire him anyway. Like, that's – to me – something is amiss about like how this has all come about. We need, we need the wind horse meme now for the college coaching scandals going on here at Northwestern West Virginia. It's tough to keep up, but you know what? I I want to add, hold on. I want to add one more thing. I want to add one more thing. The end of the statement literally says, we urge you to protect our privacy. Or respect our privacy. Like, oh, like no. the school's like, privacy? <laughs> yeah, that's what they Come say. On, we urge you to respect the privacy. Oh, no, excuse me. Of the well-being, including both the accused and the accuser. So, okay, I, mis- I misread that. But accused yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The audacity, though, like if West Virginia was saying, like, please don't ask whole. us. Please don't ask us any questions. Like, <laughs> this, is our de- we, this is our decision, and we can make our own decisions, and fuck off is essentially what the, the, the statement is. <laughs> Let me ask you something, Taylor. Should we feel like garbage uh, yucking it up here about like hazing scandals, DUIs, anti-gay slur? Like I'm not yucking it up about those specifics. Uh, I am yucking it up though about how everything's being held, handled following that. That's and I think I can yuck it up. I think I can yuck it up because I, I hope nobody got seriously injured or hurt. Nobody. Okay. So um, nobody got injured or hurt in any of these situations, which again, it's more of an intent thing than it is an outcome thing, which is important to note here. Nobody should drink and drive just because you didn't kill someone doesn't mean that like everything's good. It's all the same, same, you know, should be this a similar. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Correct. And same thing with the hazing situation. It's like, okay, you can't take you know, what someone says and how it affects someone and say, well, I wouldn't have been affected by that. Well, you don't know what everybody's, you know, what, what everybody has different shit going on Correct. and as close of friends as you could be like you and I, or me and anyone, or you and anyone, you don't know 100%, no matter what you do in your life, you'll never know 100% of what's happening in someone else's life. So there's my, there's my reading rainbow PSA uh, in, the, in the middle. It is true. It's, it's true. It's true. Now, does I don't know are these statements from the people at Northwestern accurate not accurate I'll assume them to be accurate just because we're in this situation you know the people who are affected and so I hope that like they are doing fine and all that um I also wonder often in these situations um which I don't think is this controversial of a statement is that it always seems like these things come out after other things are alleged in the sense that like, oh, this, I guess I did have a problem with that. And I know that's kind of, I, I'm trying to phrase this in a way that doesn't sound fucked up to say, I guess, you know, I, I guess we always have to dance around these type of things. But um, I guess one of the questions is, yeah, I mean, if it, if it was negative, how negatively affected uh, were you by this? And, it, and, and to this degree, you know, should someone have contacted a coach? Were there other people involved? We'll never know all of the ins and outs of, of when this happened. Cause if it was like, yeah, if it was an, uh, an offensive line coach or a, a strength and conditioning coach, 
single hand or, you know, singling people out to give them, you know, this hard time, then yeah, then that's not, that's a fireable offense to those people. I just don't understand how you fire Pat Fitzgerald specifically in a situation where the school comes out and says, this motherfucker had no idea any of this was going on, but it's his fault. I, I guess I don't know. I guess I don't know in today's world where we draw that line of like who's supposed to be like liable for all this stuff. Because yeah. if you're like if you're a college coach in a football sense, you know, you're hiring dozens, if not a hundred people, to be a part of the staff in some capacity. It's tough, in a, especially in a football world, an ever changing football world, where the terminology, right or wrong five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, so on and so forth was different and acceptable. It's not, I guess, that dissimilar from the Bob Huggins situation in that regard. Not that I'm defending Bob Huggins by any means for what he, he has come out and done yeah, and said, I mean, but like, I think we, not, agree uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. not what that, let me just put that. That's not what I'm trying yeah. to say at all. But like, I guess it's just, there's, there's going to be a line here where we don't really know what is, what is, um, if it's not obviously offensive to be, I don't know. I, I guess, I guess it's hard to, hard to figure out what we're holding like the head coaches or the CEOs or the athletic directors or whatever liable for when they don't have information about anything that's going on. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, the only thing I can think of is I think Northwestern might be saying, yeah, Pat Fitzgerald had no idea of what was going on. And you could argue that's even worse. Pat, why did you have not have any idea what was going on? And uh, look, I'm not saying it's realistic, but that's the thing. Like you are the head honcho. You are responsible for everyone, no matter how many people you're employing, hiring. You could argue, Northwestern might argue, look, you should have known what the hell was going on. Uh, and that's why, that's part of the reason why you're being fired. So I don't know. We'll leave that to the uh, college football podcast. Yes, yeah, sure. Good, good, good. Yeah. But again, this just goes back to what I've been saying, man. And I, I've been seeing poor behavior in college basketball coaches, college football coaches uh, now getting in on the act. It's I, I want to laugh about stuff that's that's actually funny uh, and harmless. Like some of this stuff is harmful, and I can appreciate that. But you know, you gotta gotta cover it how how uh, we're seeing it break. And I never thought I'd see Bob Huggins. Come back, which it, look objectively, it is kind of funny. Huggins coming back and saying, "No, no, no, uh, I'm still the head coach." Like, what are we doing here? So uh, we'll see how that all plays out. Taylor, I do want to uh, get to Cooper Flag, Maine's finest. Cooper Flag, did you see his stat line from Peach Jam over this past weekend? Like combined or all of them individually? I mean, I guess they're all kind of the Both. same. When you average whatever, them up. whatever yeah, the right. most eye popping stats were to you, did you see that? Third, I mean, every game was 34, 15, 12, and six or something in that range. Like that's I, nuts. I, I didn't fact check this, but I think I saw someone tweet that he had, he was averaging eight blocks per game. I had to have averaged more than that because, uh, what? yeah. Jesus yeah, Christ. The, the three stat lines I see ahead in, in front of me are 10, 10, and 12. Although there are other games to be played, so maybe they just highlighted the, the best games. But anyway, if you have three triple doubles in the same ter- weekend tournament uh, in Florida uh, or in Georgia, whatever they play, play it, um, yeah, that's pretty good, I'd say, as a 16-year-old. So, you know, the most excited I am about this whole thing is the fact that you're talking about a college basketball recruit yeah that's a good point that is a good this point. Is so I mean, far this is so far outside of your normal uh you know thinking here i'm, I'm happy, to see, I'm happy to see i'm happy to see that you're really you know you're you're uh what's the you're you're an amoeba you're an amoeba you're not always you know you you can learn new things you know i appreciate that yeah are we going into biology class here mitochondria all that good stuff but like Another thing that I'm telling you, I've stressed this, it's because he's from Maine. Nobody comes from Maine, especially in the basketball world. All of these other eye-popping players, grassroots players from New Jersey, or they're from Indianapolis, or they're from Florida, or Texas, or California. Maine, bro? Like, this is shocking to me. I think, uh, who were the, who are the two brothers from? No, they were from Rhode Island. I think, uh, they played for Florida. I think, uh, I'm blanking on their names. They went to a final four. I'm, uh, uh, Adam Stevens, Eric Stevens. That might be it. I don't know. But anyway, 
Cooper Flag being from Maine is a big deal, and the numbers he's putting up is a monster deal. I, I mean, and everyone's already joking about it, and I know Shire's hot on his tail, but man, it would suck if he went to Duke. I don't want him going to Duke, uh, me being a hater. But Cooper Flag, 16 years old, man, putting up those stats. It, it, it deserved a shout-out, Taylor. That's how much it moved me. And again, of course, the fact that he's from Maine. White dude from the Northeast. He's got Duke written all over him. It's <laughs> just like right. painful. It's painful to even think about. Um, do you know the only recruit, at least in ESPN's mind, um, that is ranked ahead of Cooper Flag in that class? He's also from Massachusetts, right? Or not Not also no, from, but... No, this guy is from Miami. Oh, well, shit. all right. Tech, I get carried away? Technically from Miami. Even though he's not, I don't know. We'll just call him from Miami. No, yeah, the guy, the top, the number one guy in the 2026 class is from Massachusetts. Okay, correct. The only guy in ESPN's mind that is ahead of Cooper Flag in the 2025 rankings is a kid named Cameron Boozer. Yeah, yeah, Boozer, there you go. baby. That's in, right. in this week's edition of Your Old as Fuck. <laughs> yep, Carlos Boozer's son is the number one recruit in the 2025 class. Actually, a number of this is going to be a great topic of discussion over the next year, few years of this podcast in specific relation to the year old as fucks segment there are so many of our like nba players that we grew up with their sons that are now like in this sophomore junior like full-on recruitment stage uh gilbert arena's son is a very highly ranked recruit he's got a daughter too i think who's playing incredibly well i would love to see that son or and daughter go to a very specific cool school that um, their dad went to uh, Trevor Ariza's son is out there um, obviously Bronny like we got so many like sons of oh I- Iggy Iguodala's son is also out there uh, highly ranked we got a lot of people coming a lot of kids coming up um, which always begs the question to me how did the why were all these players having kids when they were in their rookie year of the NBA. <laughs> hey man, they're ready for it. I got I got no issues with it. They're ready like for these it. Guys we, are saw, all... we saw like, Bronny like on uh we saw Bronny like on the sidelines with with dad like before the 07 Spurs series. <laughs> yeah, I know what it's wild. Yeah. It is. Wild. It's no, crazy. I guess that having up. being financially set by 19 really yeah. helps your process along. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> like, wait, like, like, oh, I guess maybe by 33, 34, I can afford to have a kid. You know, they're like, Bronny's, they're like, yeah. Bronny's grandkids are going to be on the Amalfi Coast, like you had referenced. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be hanging out with my kids because yeah. somehow there's going to be three generations in like a 22 year span here. So. Yeah, no offense. Your kids are probably going to be paying their own way, though. Not to say that they won't. But listen, uh, they might be listen, in different villas. I don't know. Listen, we just had a 3D scan on this last Friday. Little little uh, Miss Dammel's got some long legs. We, we're looking for some scholarships here via via volleyball or, or basketball. So hit up Adia uh, Barnes, man. Hey, that's you know that's our girl. She's Kim a, member of, a member of <laughs> member of the community. Yeah, exactly. I think. Audio bars Gino. Probably, yeah, Gino's going to be like 94 no. years old by that time. But. Well, here's what's going to happen. Like Gino, Kim Mulkey, one of these legendary coaches is probably going to, Don Staley is going to be like unceremoniously let go from their school because they're all disappointing us, man. <laughs> just kidding. Gino, Don, Kim, if you listen in, I'm just, I'm, I'm just making a terrible joke here. Uh, you know, what's also in vogue and very chic right now, Taylor, you mentioned Boozer. Cooper Flag. Both of them have twin brothers. And we just saw the Thompson twins uh, go four and five. I think uh, in the NBA draft. Man, if you're if, if the Lopez twins walked, so these twins could run. I feel like uh, the Collins twins as well. Dude, twins twins are in right now. All right, uh, that that what was it? Course like and twins, right? Like twins wow. are in right now. Uh, Thompson twins in the NBA. The Flag twins, the Boozer twins. Look, it used to be if you have two parents who are athletes, raise your kids to be athletes, probably. Uh, but if you just give birth to a set of twins, that's how you know to, that they should be athletes. How do you feel if you're the twin? that doesn't make it as a professional athlete 
I mean, it sucks, obviously. <laughs> like, the, like, not a twin. I understand that when I say this, but like the Cooper Manning of the of of the siblings. He's doing just well. I mean, he's, he's doing fine. just fine. Think about think about uh, Leandro. He just he just Leandro said he, he also just said, "Hey, my son's going to be even better than yeah. uh, than my brothers." <laughs> That's the Dude, ultimate just, get back. I was at the mall today. And uh, because Danielle's birthday is tomorrow, so of course I started shopping for her present today. Um, and the big topic of discussion in the Foot Locker, which again had nothing to do with Danielle, I decided to buy myself a few things while I was there. Um, the big discussion was about the Angelo Ball's bag that he got this year. You know, full max, two hundred sixty million. No, that's so I, that's Lamelo. Or Lamelo, excuse me, Lamelo. Jesus Christ! Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I, th- I thought sorry, you were sorry, talking sorry. about a legitimate like man purse or bag that Leangelo Ball <laughs> bought. No, Lamelo, Lamelo. That's how confusing it is. Even after five years of these motherfuckers, I still and and misquoting who I'm talking about here. So yeah, that was a big topic topic of discussion uh, today at the Scottsdale Fashion Square Mall. Once. We talked, uh, Taylor. We talked about maturing, maturing, and maturity is understanding. It's about the money, not necessarily about the rings. I also think maturing, and not for me personally, because I didn't, I didn't hate him like a lot of people did. But maturing is understanding that uh, Lavar uh, Ball not nailed it. He knocked it out of the park. All right. And he's a great father and he's got two kids in the NBA, one who's going to be uh, an all-star mostly, most likely. And you just talked about his contract. I feel for Lonzo because he's battling brutal injuries. Yeah. Not his fault. Not his his fault. fault. But Lonzo's a great player as well by his own uh, standards when healthy. Um, Look, maturing is knowing that LeVar nailed it. And he was, he was right. He was right. No, he was. He, he was. Well, he wasn't right about two-thirds right. Maybe like specifics, but he was right that his kids were going to be dope in the NBA. Other yeah. than Leangelo, poor guy. Yeah. Is he still? Is he playing in this summer league? I don't know. I think he was. I, I remember him last year playing. I know he got pulled. I know he got had a little pull the last couple of years, but I'm not sure. I don't think he's. No. Have you been watching summer league at all this year? Well, uh, so uh, yeah, just a little bit, and I'm sick and tired of how much people jumped on Wemby and I know they're joking like but there are some people that are like oh what a bust after his Friday game and I'm just like you're not funny you're trying to be extreme and get crazy clicks by saying Wemby Nyama is just like baguette bull bull and all this stuff also Britney Spears you're insane I'm oh on, my god dude, I'm on Wemby's side with this one like get out of here you can't just go running up to someone trying to tap him on the shoulder it's the same thing with you like I wouldn't ex- expect your security Security to be chill if someone just ran up to you like that. So I, I was just really disappointed, honestly, Taylor. It sounds like no fun, lame, but I was disappointed how many people are just trying to shit on Wembenyama and like ruin ruin him before he even plays. Oh, a game. Well, let's let's take example friend of the program Travis Church who thought Lester Quinoa was the next Jordan Poole after day one, and that Wemby was a bust. Yeah. yeah, like oh yeah, and then Lester. Quinones just when it's when like one of a million the next game yeah the Britney Spears thing is amazing speaking of controversy which we've done this entire episode we're almost an hour in and we let the, the the dumbest this might as well be like a TMZ uh podcast at this point which I find with but the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life I thought I actually thought when Britney Spears put that I could have pictured it in my mind that like people were just all over Wemby, right? And Britney Spears parted the parted the seas to get in there and grabbed him on his shoulder. And then his security guard looked at her and said, bitch, fuck, you know, no, that's not how none of this happened at all. It's like she touched his belt loop, essentially. And the security who was just trying to get through everybody didn't even see who was there and kind of kind of hit her in the face. Right. No, it hit her her arm. And <laughs> like for someone who is so coordinated that we've seen over the last 20, 25 years dancing, uh, hits herself. Oh, that was a whole what a week this is this has been in the basketball. Dude, I'm world. just like I feel for Wemby because he has never once self-proclaimed him as the himself as the next LeBron James or no, the greatest he didn't get, thing. He didn't get chosen one tattooed on his back in high school. That's what I'm saying. Like everyone else is placing this pressure on him. And instead of diverting your your disdain and, and being upset, no matter how you feel about this guy, to the people that have laid this praise on him, you're rooting for him to fail. 
And that sucks. Now, he did not have the best game. I'm, I'm good to call it like it is on Friday. And then he came back with like a 27 and 12. And I got Jay King, who covers the Celtics for the athletic, being like, uh, he's a malnourished Andre Drummond. Dude, enough. Like, shut up. If a 27 and 12 is a game is a B game for Wembenyama, that should tell you how awesome he's going to be. Like, it just seems like people are trying to root for this kid's downfall. And that's like disgusting to me when he's 18, 19 years old. Nobody's allowed to be good or better than anybody else or anything like that. Let me really get now. I am going to get on my soapbox. Nobody's allowed to be successful or happy or like doing better than the Joneses or anything like that. You know, now everything's got it. We got to drag everybody down. Nobody, we can't, we're not allowed to, to hoist people up. We only can drag people down in, in today's society. Uh, it, it seems like so. Um, oh, actor, actually, did you see that he's going to sit the rest of summer league? I did. Good for him. He yeah. needs a break, man. He's been playing overseas as well. He, he got his two games. Yeah. yeah like him playing yeah. four or more summer league games means anything at all. You know, yeah, but everyone's so. going to be like, he's running from the grind. He's soft. Yeah, running from the grind. He's no, he's no Taylor Dabble. He's not running from the grind. <laughs> I'm sure Wemby, that's going to come. Wemby's not playing six games on July 4th, man. <laughs> so ridiculous. Uh, now, no, I know, like, again, I know some people are joking about it, but it's like, you're not funny. Those tweets just aren't funny. I don't no. find them humorous. Those threads. Those threads are not funny. So. Yeah, man. Threads. Damn, that was another thing that wasn't the alive. worst. The yeah, worst. I'm, I'm done with threads. Was this last week the worst week of the year, actually, now that we've like all come out with all of this stuff that we've talked about? I think it was the worst week of the year so far. Yeah. Other than America's birthday and your birthday, most importantly. Maybe last week sucked. Yeah, I think you're right. Threads <laughs> <laughs> is garbage. I mean, in, in, in serious news, another reason why it sucked. Uh, Taylor, I'm going to give you the floor here. Ooh, man. Arizona's, oh. Arizona's Ooh, man. Passes away. Very, very sad, somber stuff. Taylor, take it away. So uh, Joe Cavallari is his name, a guy that has been a staple in the Arizona basketball program for 40, 35 years long time long time well it has to be that long considering our arizona basketball fanhood started 15 years ago so maybe i'm underselling how long he's been around 40 yeah. 45 years um a guy that was unique I, I i guess you would say that every college basketball fan base has someone they rally around i, I can't say that for certain towards everybody's fan base but i'm sure there's some intricacies and not not just mascots or anything like that, but people you rally around. U of A fortunately has a couple of them. Um, Joe Cavallari is one of them. The Uwa man, as he's locally known, uh, Phyllis uh, is is another one. Uh, the grandma that uh, when she got divorced, she famously said, "You keep the house, I'll keep the season tickets to McHale Center." Someone that knits her own hat. Um, for every basketball game. Uh, she's wonderful. But Joe Cavallari, the Uwad man, uh, was something that came up at the same time that Lou Olson did, a guy that rallied the crowd, uh, kind of started the the famous, or at least locally famous, A-R-I-Z-O-N-A uh, chant that is done at the McHale Center. He's been having health issues for a long time, long time, unfortunately. Lives a lot of his life um, 61 or 71 years uh, in a lot of pain and uh, uncomfortability, but he still showed up to every U of A basketball game for years and years and years, decades in that pain, rallied the crowd, got everybody together. And some of my very most, and I'm sure you're too, Sub, some of my very most famous memories um, are, are via him. He would always come out in the second half during the under four media timeout generally sometimes you'd see him under the under eight timeout but the under four timeout when you really needed the crowd to be involved really needed the team to be focused and successful and as, however much you wanted to say the crowd is involved in that is great but this guy was nothing but a benefit to uh, to the U of A basketball program and the U of A crowd so he passed away just yesterday uh, big or, uh, over the last couple of days really big loss for the program and really one of those guys that I feel like we're losing in the college basketball fan base kind of like that uh, seminal ground up approach, someone who is a local and supports the team. He's not just there to like drink some beers and just, 
you know, show his face, like a guy that really cared about the program and really cared about the kids who were involved. And so, yeah, I think we're all, we're all better off for having experienced uh, the Ooh man and we're all worse off for his passing. So yeah, rest in peace to, to the Ooh man, Joe Cavallari. Beautifully put Taylor. I think the only thing, and you already nailed it, but my only thoughts are never in my life and going to sports games and sporting events do you think of uh, times during that event where there's no action, when there's an intermission and it was some of the most fun that you've had? That's what the Uwan man brought uh, by riling up the crowd under 16, under eight timeouts. Uh, I'm telling you, you ask anyone what their favorite part of a football, basketball, hockey game is, they'll most likely tell you something during the action. Uh, I won't go so far as to say that that was my favorite part of Arizona games, but they were, it was up there for sure. And it was because of him. So I uh, had to give him his shine here on theater and college hoops. Uh, I'm going to get out of here just real quick though. Taylor on a happy note, home run derby was last night. Uh, draft what MLB draft was a couple nights ago. And I, I, I genuinely thought we were going to talk more about this because it's the dog days, but Again, the Bob Huggins stuff, Pat Fitzgerald, Cooper Flag going crazy. But my boy, Arjun Nimala, 17-year-old out of like Tampa, Florida, drafted 20th overall by the Toronto Blue Jays. This dude, dude, I'm telling you, Indian Americans are freaking taking over, Taylor. We are slowly but surely taking We're not there yet. But man, we are taking over Arjun Namala, 17 years old, committed to Florida State. This kid looks like he was built in the lab. And that means something, especially when you're Indian, because Indian people just look either frail and skinny or like kind of fat and unathletic. Uh, Arjun Namala, I hope he is the next Nomar Garcia Para, baby. I hope he's better than Dinesh Patel. Should I know who Dinesh Patel is? Yes. The first Indian uh, baseball, uh, Indian MLB player or Indian player of or Indian descent that was drafted into MLB baseball. That was a few years, ago, ten years, fifteen years ago. So yeah, Dinesh Patel. So does Dinesh this mean, Patel? I mean, walked, crawled. Sure. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't even know who he was. Yeah, I mean, does, but you're right though. Look at like golf. Yeah, I know you're a big golf guy now given the Indian influence in golf. Sahith. Yeah, Sahith Agala, Arjun Atwal. We got a lot going on there. We're ready, man. We're, you guys better You guys better up your game, all right? I'm talking to all the white people out there. Uh, speaking of white folks, uh, Rob Manfred also, uh, did you see this? Called it Grand Union University, not Grand Canyon University. Uh, yeah, that's just unfortunate. Really, really unfortunate. He saw the U and just went with it. Look at us, Taylor. Talking college football, talking MLB draft, but uh, a lot happened. I love this episode. Crazy, crazy episode. Who knows what's going to happen uh, in a couple of weeks? We're going to catch you, though, in a couple of weeks. I am off uh, going to Denver and also uh, Orange County for a wedding. I cannot wait for that, but we'll catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops.